Hello and welcome to the Teen Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy, and today we have a special guest and we are talking to Dr. Aviva Leggett. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast today. I have a special guest on today and her name is Dr. Aviva Leggett and she is the author of Get Real and Get In, How to Get into the College of Your Dreams by Being Your Authentic Self. And she is here to talk to us all about the college admissions process. So welcome, Dr. Leggett. Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your book. Sammy, thank you so much for having me, and it's great to be here. Um, So again, I'm Dr. Aviva Leggett. I am the founder of Ivy Insight, the author of Get Real and Get In. Um, The reason I founded my company and wrote this book is because of my own experience as a teen. I had a very challenging time applying to college. I went to a very high-pressure high school. I was not native to the community where I went, and I was struggling to keep up in this environment. And what I did to combat that was I just said, okay, I'm going to focus on getting into the college of my dreams and just put all of my eggs in that basket. So spent a lot of time um, looking at NYU, which was my top choice college, going to different information sessions, um, visiting with professors and so on. Um, Eventually, I put so much pressure on myself that right before applications were due, I got pneumonia. So not recommended um, for anybody. Uh, so I did get into, well, I did get into NYU. What I really took away was the transformative nature of the application process. The application process and the pressure of that forced me to figure out, you know, a little bit more about who I was and what I wanted to do. And that's ultimately what I hope to accomplish through my book, Get Real and Get In, and through all the people we help at Ivy Insight with college consulting, um, helping people on this very magical and also challenging journey. Okay. Awesome. And then you are actually, if I can say this correctly, you are actually on a college admissions board, right? Currently, or you were, I was good question. So, um, the reason and, uh, ability that I had to pursue this was, you know, not only my own process, but, you know, deciding to go into the field of higher education. So I came down to university of Pennsylvania, which is an Ivy league school to get my master's and my doctorate in higher education. And while I was there, studying, I was also working full-time at the Wharton School, which is the business school for Penn. And at the Wharton School, I was on the freshman uh, and transfer admissions committees and oversaw pre-college programs. So before embarking on this journey as a college consultant, I actually had a chance to review applications and see how students were selected and what makes for strong leadership and how people can present themselves effectively. So it's not only the journey of figuring out who you are and what you want, but it's also, of course, putting yourself on paper in an attractive way. So it definitely gave me a good sense of, of what college admissions committees are looking for. And then obviously through my higher ed doctorate, I, I was exposed to a variety of different institutions and um, dynamics that face college students and younger students today. Yeah. So you've been on both sides of the process. Correct. Yeah. Okay. On the selection side and on the, and on the counseling side. And I definitely prefer the counseling side because you can help people. It's nice to be able to help people before they put in an application versus when you're reviewing the applications and, you know, you might be able to help some people who are high priority to you, but ultimately most of the people that you're going to see once on paper, you'll never see again. And so, you know, rather than letting people go, I prefer to, you know, keep people on and and support them through the process. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here with us today. So first of all, let's kind of talk about some of the misconceptions about applying to college. 
Great. Well, there are a lot of misconceptions. So one is uh, a key part of my book, which is the impressiveness paradox. So this paradox has to do with the fact that in order to be impressive, many people believe that they essentially have to step into somebody else's shoes and do exactly what they did to achieve their same goals. But what happens is when you do that, you actually come across as not being genuine, not being real. Uh, so the important thing to know about this is how to avoid the impressiveness paradox is really to figure out what you want to do that's unique to you that will help you to achieve your goals. Uh, so that's a, a big misconception. Another misconception is that students should not participate in any kind of networking activities before college. Students absolutely should be taking advantage of the opportunity to network with people at the colleges, not necessarily the admissions officers themselves, although it can't hurt to introduce yourself, but really the people at the college who can ultimately help you to drive your, your message and, and carry yourself forward. Um, so for example, cultural centers, religious centers, um, disabilities office, if that applies to you, uh, could be a research center or an academic program. So there's lots of ways to tap into university resources before you actually get there. And students really need to take advantage of those to have their best possible, most tailored application possible. So those are a couple of the biggest uh, misconceptions that people have. And I'd say the last one is that you have to get into a prestigious school to have a successful college application process. Um, that's not necessarily true because every school is a good fit for somebody and some schools are a better fit for you and they're, some schools are a better fit for other people. And so if you can find schools that are not only selective, but also really help you achieve your goals and your dreams, that's where you're ultimately going to thrive and do well, not only in college, but also set you up for a successful life ahead. So how do you kind of like tap into the school when you're not a student? Like, how do you do that? Good question. And so really this comes back to you as a student inventorying the things that you're involved in now and looking at what is available at the college that might align with that. And so one of the obvious ones is uh, that a lot of students are involved in is Model United Nations. So maybe there's a Model United Nations conference that a student club is hosting on campus, but it's for college students. And so you can look to see how that operates. So that's just one example. Another example is if you wanna study business, then you go visit the entrepreneurship center when you're on campus. Or if you can't visit campus, you can email somebody from the entrepreneurship center, ask them for a 10 minute phone call to talk about a couple of specific things that you have on your radar. Um, so for example, I have some people who, you know, back in when you could visit campuses and, and we're seeing more of that now, you would contact like a golf coach ahead of time, would contact um, faculty members ahead of time and arrange to meet for, you know, maybe 10 minutes, but it could be longer uh, just to say hi, to put a face with a name and to, you know, really get some good insight for themselves about why this school fits them and what's great about it, um, specifically in line with their interests. So I just, I love helping people with that because I think that's such a key part, part that's overlooked. And also it's a great skill to build as you are applying to college as a skill of networking and sort of informal interviewing, or some people call it informational interviews that you would have with people. Those are actually great skills to build ahead of when you're applying. So how do you pick the right school? Like we have so many options about where to go to college. How do you pick the right school for you? 
Right. Well, we have some exercises in the book that you, you could, you're welcome to check out and try to assess that for yourself. And I would say, you know, there are a few dimensions that people should look at when they're thinking about where they apply. Obviously financial is a huge one for a lot of students and families. Not everybody can afford to pay full fare, especially when the full fare is 60, $70,000, which is unreal. Was even more when I went to college, which was like a while ago, but not that long ago, it was less than half of that, which is still a lot of money. So financial is a big one. And I would encourage people to look at the financial ramifications of college and think about if they should, not to say if they should or shouldn't go to college, but what colleges might provide them with better scholarships or better, better merit aid or leave them with less debt. That could be a big factor. If you, let's say, for example, you don't know what career you want to do and you're not sure which direction to go in. If you get a degree that's going to cost you, you know, $300,000 in debt at the end of, of your program. And you don't know if you're going to go into grad school, if you're going to um, pursue a passion project or something like that, you know, you don't necessarily want to take on that expense, right? So you want to think really carefully about the financial ramifications and like, what is the value of this degree to you? And it's not just the short-term benefits, it's also the long-term benefits, but those benefits really need to be uh, very carefully considered, especially these days when college is so expensive. The second part, of course, is just geographical. So, you know, do you have, are there certain industries you want to enter into that are in particular locations? Do you have to be close to home for some reason? And then finally, and I would say the most importantly, beyond these logistical things, so definitely know the logistical constraints or opportunities that you have, then also look at the culture, elements of culture fit. And that's when connecting with these colleges, talking with people, you can really get a sense of if you like this community or you don't like this community um, and, and what, what works for you in that environment. So those are really the three main dimensions. And then in terms of reflection, if you go to my website, get real and get in, you can actually download these reflection exercises. And they're also in the book just to help you think about what's most important to me and what's least important. Okay. So in your book, you talk about some X factors and kind of like why you need these in order to help you with the college admissions process. So can you just like quickly explain those X factors to us and kind of tell us why they're important and why you need them when you're applying to college? Sure. So I like to talk a lot about the college admissions X, X factor. X factor stands for experience, expertise, and exponentialism. And those are essentially three, three layers of your X factor. So the first layer is the experience layer. This is when you gain exposure to a topic. So let's say you are interested in anthropology, but you don't know anything about anthropology because there have been no classes in it. And you maybe heard about it from a friend or from me. Right. So you're like, what's anthropology? So you might do some research on that, look at some online articles, maybe talk to a current student who's taking anthropology to find out, like, well, what is this major all about? And what might might I be interested in it? Second level is expertise. So let's say you decide you're interested in anthropology, then you want to develop expertise in one area. So you want to think about, for example, the cultural elements of a coffee shop. So perhaps you visit a coffee shop in your neighborhood, you note the line. Uh, that people have to queue on. You know that the door stays slightly ajar during the summer. Maybe you go back in the winter and it's closed. Um, you might notice different things about the space and how it's organized and you can record all these things and create some kind of research project. So you're developing expertise in, let's say, the anthropology of coffee shops. Then finally, exponentialism. So let's say you take that expertise and you find a way to give it back to other people. So for example, maybe you start up an anthropology club at your, uh, in your community, in your school, or maybe you start up some kind of 
platform for high school students who are also interested in anthropology to connect with other like-minded people. So there are a lot of ways that you can achieve this exponentialism, but I would say this is sort of the piece that you want to be working on or working towards if you can when you're in high school, because this is the piece that allows you to give back whatever you've learned to a lot of other people and to benefit other people. And ultimately what colleges would love to see from you, and again, not everybody is able to achieve it, but if you can, you're going to look especially great, um, is this sense of, you know, not only do I know something, but I'm willing to share that with people in some way, and I'm willing to benefit other people from it. And so one of the, getting back to misconceptions, a lot of people have a misconception that I have to do community service in order to be competitive for college, but that's just a checkbox. That's not like anything necessarily substantial. Of course, you can have a wonderful volunteer experience and I would encourage people to volunteer if they feel moved towards a cause, but ultimately colleges are looking for service-minded people. So it doesn't have to be, you know, working at a soup kitchen to really meet that idea of being service-minded. It's really the fact that you're engaged and you're identifying needs in your community and you're working towards making your community a better place. And so do colleges kind of, when they're looking at the admissions process, do they look at the, you know, the student on paper and kind of ask like what kind of value they're going to be to the college? Absolutely. So the purpose of the college application, it's not simply an evaluation of your merit as a student. It's really your merit relative to the college's priorities. So when colleges are looking at students, they're thinking about, you know, what's in it for us, essentially, if I have to boil it down to a question, because, you know, ultimately, if a college brings on a student with an interest that they can't support, they don't want to bring on that person because they know that person's not going to find their way at the college. Um, They want to bring on people who are a good fit in the sense that they can take advantage of resources and they can make a contribution. So in terms of what you include on your application, you want to show your unique character and also help somebody who doesn't know you to see how you would make a contribution to your community at college. Because that's ultimately what admissions officers are looking for. They're looking for, okay, well, why do you want this college? And what will you contribute to this college? What kind of person are you? What have you shown as a record of success? And uh, not just achievement, but also helping people in some way too, because they're going to take that to mean like, okay, this person's been helpful. That means they'll be helpful at my college as well. So what is the best way <laughs> to demonstrate yourself effectively on paper? <laughs> but- oh, that's such a great question. Of course, it's very individualized, um, but I'll just share. There's a you know, few pieces, main pieces of the application that you want to pay attention to. Um, one is a piece that is out of your hands in some ways, and that's your letters of recommendation. And I would encourage all students out there to help their recommenders to help them with this process. Because if your recommenders don't know what schools you're applying to, don't know what major you're picking, they're not going to be so helpful because you, maybe you had a, a, an offhanded conversation with them one day saying like, oh, I think I might be interested in business, but then you decide to apply as a computer science major, you decide to apply for a history major and they don't know about that. So they're writing all about how, what a good fit you are for business. And then meanwhile, you applied for history or computer science. So it's really important for you as a student to manage those expectations with a recommender about, you know, this is what I'm applying for. This is why I want to do this um, so that they can write a recommendation that confirms or corroborates what you're putting out there. So that's a really important piece because that's where a lot of applications fall short is, you know, the recommender just doesn't, have a targeted recommendation. It just almost sounds like they're talking about a different person than is being presented in the application. So Mm -hmm. that's an important conversation for you to have with your recommenders, because that's kind of like 
the other admissions committee member that's not in the room, right? So they're going to say positive things, but they're going to have a specific perspective on you that may or may not align with what you actually want them to say. So be mindful of that. The other thing to be mindful of is when you write out your um, resume and activity list and not all colleges require a resume, but it's a good idea to have one, um, is, you know, you want to be very specific and detailed about the metrics of success in these activities. You only get a very small amount of space to explain the activities. So let's say you're on the student council, which a lot of people are, you can't assume to know that the person reading your file knows what your student council did this last year or what you specifically did. They don't have the benefit of being you or being with you all the time. So you have to make sure to make things digestible to somebody who's never met you before. So basically speak to the the most basic and lowest common denominator you can, because that person, you have to assume that person knows nothing. So you have to give them a briefing on what the heck is student council at your school. And what have you specifically done in student council? So if you write student council president oversaw class of, of 200, it's like, what, what is that? How do I take away anything from that? So make sure it's very specific, focused on metrics um, for your activities. Then for your personal statement, Um, The personal statement is ideally a story that helps somebody to understand who you are. What is your character like, Um, whether that's your intellectual um, capability? And that's not not to say you should write an essay about how you got an A in Spanish, but more about the kinds of curiosities that you have. When I say intellectual, I mean your curiosities and how you pursue problems and knowledge. You want to really think about what is the best character trait you could put forward for this essay? And then what is the best story to support that? Uh, And then the last piece is the supplement essays. That's really important. So that's the, those are the essays that tell the school exactly why you want to go there. And if you follow my advice of networking with people at the schools, you're going to get a lot of good uh, anecdotes to share. Well, I spoke with so-and-so about this, and this made me curious about this. And I think this is a good fit with my experience. And you want to put your um, evidence of your past experience your future goals and how the college can help on that essay. That's the best way to approach the supplement essays. And if you don't really know anything about the college, the essays aren't going to be very effective. So, yeah, as you're talking, these are all like such really great answers. (laughs) I'm just kind of like, I wish I had hours to talk to you and ask you all the questions. But like (laughs) one other question that, you know, like kind of popped up into my brain when you were talking is like, what if you don't know like what you want to do or what college you want to go to? Like, how do you navigate that? That's so hard. And I feel like a lot of kids and teens have different levels of knowledge about the world and what they want to do. And I think that that's really normal. I would say that a big part of the college journey, though, is really diving more deeply into what you think you might want to do. Because ultimately, when you apply, you have to apply. I mean, in theory, you can apply as undecided. But in my opinion, it makes a very makes for a lackluster application and also a confusing application if you just don't know what you want to do. And you're right. Well, I don't want to know what I want to do. I mean, I don't think anybody really knows what they want to do. But for the purpose of the application, you want to pick some kind of major um, or at least a couple of areas of interest and back that up with things that you've um, enjoyed in class and or enjoyed in your extracurricular activities. So you want to try to tie in all of your experiences in and out of side of class into this major. And you don't necessarily want to pick the major that you're most curious or interested in, but you want to pick the major that best represents your strengths and opportunities today. So for example, I have a kid who wants to be a doctor 
However, he has discovered this interest very late in his high school career. He hasn't taken the requisite science classes. He hasn't had medical shadowing experiences. So he doesn't have a lot to really ride on his application to back up his desire of wanting to be a doctor. I'm not saying that to say he shouldn't be a doctor or shouldn't pursue that in college. But when you're applying, you really have to go with the best possible version of you and what represents you best today. And then when you get to college, know that you can change majors. In a lot of cases, you can explore different interests. So the college application is not a final declaration of what your diploma will say, but more it's like, this is my intention of what I think I want to study. And here's why, and here's how I've prepared for this and why I think I would do well in this major. Yeah. And that kind of like how it fits me now, right? Not Mm -hmm. saying that we can't ever change or get interests in other things, but this is the way that it fits me the best now. I just, I remember when I um, went to college, everybody in my family, like did business. And so my dad like was like, you need to get a business, (laughs) you need to be a business major and like, you're going to have your own business and all this stuff. And then I, you know, I declared that. And then I got to college and it was like, you know what? I don't think I want to do business. And so I had all the classes to be able to get a business minor, but I really found that what I really loved was the human body and kind of like working in the science areas. And so I, you know, pursued a different degree for my major, but, um, I still think even though that you, like you said, even though that you declare that there's still room there to experience and expose yourself to so many different kinds of classes. Exactly. And, and again, I want to emphasize that unless it's a seated program, like an engineering or a business program, where you're just applying to that specific school and it's, you know, requires some kind of transfer process, you know, I'd say 90 to 95% of majors, you can change after you get there. So even if you're, so for computer science is an interesting one because at some colleges it's in the engineering school and at other colleges it's in like a school of arts and sciences. So let's say you think you want to be a computer science major, but you don't have any computer classes yet. You can apply as something that fits you better today and then look at changing into computer science, but you have to kind of like plan that out in advance too. So I would look at, you know, if you, you say you really want to be a doctor, we'll find a school that has a good pre-med program, but don't, apply as a pre-med, just know, okay, they have a good pre-med program. So if I decide ultimately after I get there, I want to do this pre-med program, I'm positioned for entry into that without any kind of administrative hoops to go through, like you would have for, you know, business school, like you were encouraged to to do, um, or, you know, an engineering program, which is more fixed in terms of what you do. And, and I went to undergrad, I was a music business major. I didn't mention that in my intro, but it was kind of a very, um, specialized program. There were only 30 people in the program. So I could have switched, but it would have required an application process just because that was a specific thing that I applied for. And that, you know, I said I was applying for, and I intended to graduate from, but most of the time it's just not the case at all. Yeah. So did you graduate in music business? I did. Yes. And when I was at NYU, I had a lot of cool internships and I love the arts have always had lifelong um, affinity for the arts. And so I thought, Oh, I can marry like my, you know, organizational skills with my artistic love. But what I found when I got to NYU was that the music business was, you know, it was at the time when I went, it was the time when um, CDs were becoming digitized and, you know, MP3 players were starting to come out. I feel like so old saying that because I was like, so long ago now. <laughs> But it was a, a tumultuous time in the industry. And also, um, as you read about my book, I was a freshman on 9-11. And so that was kind of like a, a shock to, I think, 
a lot of things, not just the music business that was kind of changing before 9-11, but it was a shock to a lot of things. And a lot of, there was a lot of uncertainty and um, I just didn't feel compelled in that direction. When I was doing all this internship, I worked at MTV, I worked at Billboard, I worked at this, um, you know, different publishing houses and record labels and just none of it felt right to me. I didn't find my people or my fit. And, you know, but I grew up in this community in Princeton, New Jersey. It's where Princeton University was. I think just the the idea of education being an opportunity provider was just something that was grilled into the culture that I just felt really compelled towards. And when I was in NYU, I started getting involved in school activities. And I was like, oh, this is a lot more fun than my music business internship. And then, oh, there's a field you could go into that does this. Like, that sounds fun. So um, that's what brought me down to Penn and uh, Wharton because I wanted to, you know, change my career pretty quickly. Like I knew pretty much by the end of college that I wasn't going to going into the music business, but I just I was almost done with my degree, so I was like, I'll finish. Of course, I don't want to take extra years, but you can, you know, with a bachelor's degree, you can go into any different field. So I'd also say, you know, for students out there, if you're like worried about graduating in something and then getting a job in it, you know, you don't have to have a specific degree to get a specific job which I thought you did. Cause I thought, Oh, I have to, if I want to go into music business, I have to have a music business degree, but I was wrong about that. I could have, if I wanted to go into music business, I could have gotten, you know, a history degree in theory. I just would have had to get some internships. So it's, it's more about experience rather than the actual type of degree. Is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely. And so that's why I think people feel when I tell them to pick a major for their applications, they feel a little bit confined, but I want to say that it's actually not confining. It's actually freeing on the application because you can really dive into one area of interest and express yourself more fully and in depth versus, you know, you have, let's say 500 words or 300 words for supplement essay. You're trying to cover every little interest that you have. It's just not going to happen effectively. You're better off picking one and just expanding upon why this interest touches on different areas of your life, academic, ex- extracurricular, intellectual, maybe even personal. Like for some kids, if they're first generation and they are also interested in computers and they have several languages under the belt, maybe they want to study linguistics and that kind of fits with all of that versus like just, again, going computer science or just going for language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so much good stuff in your book. So much good knowledge. Do you have any like last little bits of information that you would like to share really quick? And then after that, I want you to tell us where we can get your book and where we can find it and all that. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I would just say that in terms of what we've talked about today, I would encourage you, you know, students out here listening to think of this college process as a stretch experience, uh, an opportunity to learn about yourself and what you want, really use it as a way to hone in on what you want outside of what other people may think you want. So what your parents may think you want, what the media says you should want, um, you know, what anybody says you should want. So really think for, you know, start to think for yourself and then also be aware of any opportunities or constraints you may have, whether you want to go to college right out of high school, delay it a little bit, you know, there's a lot of different paths that people can take. And in my book, I highlight stories of different people and different paths that they took. And so the reason I did that is to say that there isn't one path and one journey that's right for everybody. There's only the path and journey that's right for you. So um, I would just keep that in mind as you're going through, obviously use my advice to help you with the nuts and bolts, but don't use advice as a way to say, oh, I should do this now, or I you know, have to do this now. Um, everybody's been through so much with COVID, and I think it's a good time for people to evaluate their priorities and their plans in general. 
I love all of it. I love everything you've had to say today. It's such, such good advice. Okay. So tell us where we can find your book. Thank you. You can find the book in any major retailer. If you go to getrealandgetin.com, it has links to purchase the book at all the different outlets if you want to buy the book online. And you can also download some exercises and some bonus material from the website. Okay. And what's that website? And I'll put the website in the show notes too, but just go ahead and tell it. Sure. Just- it's just the book title. It's getrealandgetin.com. Just go there and you'll find everything you need. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge and your expertise about getting into college with us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the conversation, Sammy. Great chatting with you. All right. Good to see you.